Support for Connecticut East this week comes from EastCon for high school completion, English language instruction, and employment and job training services. Go to eastcon.org slash get started today. EastCon, you've got this. In this education special edition, we talk to EastCon about their adult education services and how they're positively impacting the lives of adults here in our region who've decided to give school another chance. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. They say to get ahead in life, you need a good education. That doesn't necessarily mean spending tens or even hundreds of thousands getting expensive degrees from universities. But it's the basics in life, from math and English to understanding finances, that many don't have. And in survey after survey, the United States is shown to not be investing as much in human capital, i.e. us, as other developed countries, and therefore is falling behind in its competitive advantage, which which in turn over time will have effects on the country's and individuals' economic growth. But it's not all doom and gloom, as many adults are taking the opportunity to return to education to either finish where they left off or to add new educational skills to help them achieve more. I caught up with Kristen Hempel, Director of Adult and Community Programs at EastCon, and two students who have used their services, Stan, an English language learner from Russia, and Rachel, a high school completion student, to find out more. And we should make it clear that EastCon is a supporter of the Connecticut East This Week podcast. Kristen, it's nice to have you back on the podcast. Welcome again. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, of course, you know, could you give the audience and our listeners a sense of when we're talking about adult education, what is that? Adult education primarily engages two populations. We have adults over the age of 17 who do not have high school diplomas and adults who live in Connecticut but either need to improve their English language skills or are preparing for citizenship process. In Connecticut, there are over 225,000 working age adults without a high school diploma and over 210,000 adults who do not speak English well or at all. By the year 2024, almost 50% of the job openings will be middle skilled and 32% will be high skilled. In less than three years, nearly 80% of all job openings will require a high school diploma. So what does that mean for Northeastern Connecticut, where we have over 13% of our adults without a high school diploma or more than 2% of our adults who don't speak English? well. We're talking to these adults without diplomas and they're coming to us because they've left formal schooling for a wide variety of reasons. Sometimes they have an undiagnosed learning disability that has impacted their ability to succeed in a traditional classroom. Sometimes they've had to leave in order to work to help support their family. Sometimes they've made a few bad choices and couldn't figure out how to dig themselves out of it. Sometimes they just didn't feel welcomed in their high school environment and they made a choice, a positive choice for themselves to follow their own path. The reasons are multiple and they're varied. But for us, why they left isn't what matters. What matters is the fact that they want to come back. Our teachers have helped adults learn addition and subtraction. And our teachers have helped adults who could teach a class on engineering. Everyone who comes to us has strengths to draw on and skills to share, as well as something to learn. And our job is to meet people where they are and then help them achieve their goal. The same is true for our English learner populations that we get to work with. Some of them have doctorate in their home countries, and others come to us without any formal education in their past. In both
both cases, the classroom is a dynamic community of learning where people are supporting each other and able to build on what they know and then share it with others. Anyone who comes to us is coming here because they have a goal. They have a vision of something that they want to achieve and they know that education is the first step towards it. It may be a new job. It may be a promotion. It may be enrolling in college or training. It may be being able to read to their grandchild or help their child, their kiddo, with homework. It may be to just prove to themselves that they could do it. Whatever it is, the people who come to adult education are making a choice to prioritize their future opportunities even when their lives are already busy with family and jobs. Every single one of them is working hard to make their lives better. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the courses that are run by ESCOM because you gave us a a nice sort of like overview there. I know there's a lot of them, but just give us a sense of some of the courses because, you know, people are going to be interested in that as well who are listening to this. So we offer high school completion courses and we have three different pathways for people to earn their high school diploma. Most people or a lot of people have heard of the GED. And so people who want to pursue a GED will come in and we will work with them to help them prepare for that test. And that's a series of four tests, math, English, social studies, and science. And we will do an entry assessment and then help them progress so that they can achieve the results that they need on those tests. Other people come to us and they say, listen, I want to work towards a credit diploma. And that program is very similar to a high school program in terms of distribution requirements. You have to have so many credits in each of those core academic areas. And so we run small classes with really personalized attention, again, where we're able to have the students take those classes and earn the credits to earn that diploma. Finally, we have a a little known but very exciting program called the National External Diploma Program. And that's a program where people can come in and they work one-on-one with an advisor to build a portfolio where they demonstrate competencies in core areas. So there aren't any tests. It's completely flexible. And they're really able to draw on their real-world experience. So they're pieces that are really tuned into your skills in terms of, can you write a letter to the editor? How do you put together a resume? All of those skills that make an adult successful? Can you balance a family budget? So we have those classes, and then we have English language classes. And in those, again, we're we're integrating things like digital literacy skills, we're integrating things like financial literacy skills, and we're helping people to learn English, not just to succeed in the community, to navigate the drugstore and the doctor's office and all of those things, but also to prepare them for the workforce. So people will come in and say, you know, I'm going to go into construction. There's a whole language, a whole vocabulary associated with those jobs and we'll be supporting them in that same thing you know with whether it's manufacturing or healthcare some of our, our top priority industries here we do the same thing finally we help students who are interested in becoming naturalized citizens and we help them prepare for that process it's another exciting program that we offer and then sort of a- across the board we have adults who come in here who don't have some of the basic elementary middle school level academics and so we also ad- offer adult basic education so that they can then enter into those other programs and succeed on their journey there. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, so what sort of age group? I mean, when we talk about adults, I mean, what is that, 18 up? Talk to us about sort of the age group, just general. Sure. We serve everyone in adult education starting at age 17. You are able to withdraw from high school. And so we have 17-year-olds to, we graduated someone who was almost 100. That was a number of years ago. I think right now we, we only have a few people in their 60s, but we do have some people who are over 60 in our program. And it provides a wonderful community 
community. Think about that kind of multi-generational space where people are able to grow. I mean, one of the challenges, I think, in our community is that we do end up in these bands of ages. And so we come into this adult education classroom and everyone is in it together and they find those commonalities. Clearly is true. You never are too old to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're never too old to teach or too young to teach, too. So I think that that's also a powerful thing that's happening. You know, the the information and, the you know, whether it's about just navigating the world in general or if it's about academics, there's a great sharing that happens in the classroom. Now, East Con, of course, covers eastern Connecticut and so like um, northeastern Connecticut and quite a large area. You've been doing that for a long time. The state isn't large. We know that. But every part of it is unique. Tell us about the unique nature of northeastern Connecticut and some of the challenges that, you know, that come along with living here that, you know, adults then face? Well, we have thousands of adults in our region with low basic skills, whether that's reading, math, or English literacy, or digital literacy or financial literacy. And if we want our economy to grow and be stronger, if we want our schools to be better, our communities to flourish, then we do need to work on connecting those adults to education so that they can thrive and their children can have the support that they need and our communities have the engaged and informed citizens that we need for our democracy to succeed and to serve the people. And if our businesses are going to succeed with a trained workforce, we need to be engaging people into the the adult education arena. I love Northeastern Connecticut. I love that I can walk to the end of my road and be on a hiking trail. I love that I can go road over and recenter my priorities while watching some cows. I love that UConn and ECSU are in our backyard, as well as our great Connecticut State Community College at Quinnebog Valley. Some of the best Mexican food I've ever had is out here in Willimantic. We are an amazing community with a lot of beauty and wonderful people and untapped potential. But our region does struggle economically. We have some of the highest rates of poverty in the state. Whether you're looking at the Alice report or the Dalio report, the message is clear. We need to do more for our neighbors. We need to make sure that the people who live here have the opportunity to learn the skills that they need to get and maintain those jobs and with family sustaining wages. We need to make sure that people who seek those opportunities have the access to the education that not only provides them with the bare bones academics, but also those critical digital literacy and financial literacy skills that I mentioned earlier. I do want to highlight the, the Dalio report, which which brought out the fact that our region has a high number of youth, and those are identified as age 14 to 26, who are disconnected. They are not engaged in work or education, and they are slipping through our community's fingers. When you look at a heat map of Connecticut, our region lights up. About 20 to 40 percent of our youth in northeastern Connecticut are considered disengaged, depending on what town in our region you're from. That's startling. That's a, that's a huge chunk of our families. So programs like adult education are opportunities to re-engage them, to offer them a meaningful path forward so that they can begin to build their skill sets and develop their self-sufficiency. Life isn't always a straight shot, and sometimes we need opportunities available to us at different times. And if we give up on them, then we give up on ourselves. We're just not ready to do that. Stan, welcome to the podcast. So tell us, what motivated you to advance your education and training specifically brought you to EastCon? When we arrived in USA five uh, months ago, we understood that everything was different here and we need to start from scratch. First of all, we need to speak the language of country of residence. This will help you adapt to live a full life. Volunteers helped us find the EastCon, this service. And tell me, how does it feel to be in a classroom with other adults? You know, were you nervous at first? Just just tell us how it all felt. I have now 
problem because we are say, the same age ourselves. The goal is to speak English first, our goal and main goal. And then tell me, were there any specific obstacles that you faced when you first started? The obstacles were in the absence of transport. At first, ASCON help us by offering transportation assistance. We were taken from home to school and back. And then, you know, what would you say to so like friends or family or anybody else who's interested in, in following in your footsteps? I'm still uh, at the beginnings of the journey myself, but I would like to say that in order to adapt to a new country, you first need to start speaking English first. For this purpose, uh, there are such organizations as EastCon and Nothing will be solved by itself. And obviously, EastCon, how do you feel about EastCon, the, the organization? Is it a good organization for you? Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Stan, it's been great talking to you. I know you're a busy man. Spasiba. And uh, <laughs> welcome to the country. Thank you. And we are talking to Rachel, who is also an adult learner. Rachel, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for your time today. Thank you. So tell me, Rachel, you know, what motivated you, you know, to advance your education and training, and what specifically brought you to EastCon? What brought me to EastCon is I knew that in my life I wanted to further my future for better and for greatness, you know. Age was not purpose or, or my disability was not nothing to withhold me for my future and I was just determined to do that. So tell us a little bit about that. You've said about, you know, you want to advance yourself and what specifically were you wanting and to, to do? Um, advance into getting my GED and to pursue my future for further um, education. And then, you know, how does it feel when you're in classroom with, you know, other adults, you know, maybe your, your own age a little bit, uh, you know, younger? Tell us about that, because that can be a little bit daunting for some people. Not really, because of the fact that I felt, wow, this is not bad. I'm not the only one that's aiming at greatness, you know, for to better our future. And it really doesn't. It's just depends if you're motivated to get better you know and want better and greatness in your future and that's the way I was determined just when I saw everyone I'm like we're all aiming at one goal and I mean you keep using the word goal so you know ultimately you're going to get your GED and then what do you want to like progress to from Um, there? College and probably the medical field or counseling between those two. How is it, you know, being in a classroom? You said it was it, it was fine being in a classroom with other adults. I mean, were you all like bouncing off each other, as it were? I mean, was there a camaraderie? Did you? Well, the great thing about EastCon that I can say that we have the most greatest support through the teachers, the counselors, and just anyone just in that works at EastCon. They are just so supportive in a lot of things, and they make you feel, wow, this is not bad. Okay. I'm failing in this or I feel like this or whatever am I going to get to they just support you and I am so I mean it feels good it doesn't make you feel less or any, they never do they make they motivate you to get your GED they help you anyway so I understand in your case I believe there was a, a life experience that took you away from East Con from the classroom but then you were able to return so talk to us about how the program and the agency were able to support you through that they were very supportive and they were I even got when I was very I almost um, died two years ago, but I was in the hospital. I'm not able learning how to walk again and all that. And when I came back, I mean, throughout that time, I was so honored to know that teachers even send me get well cards. And I mean, that was very meaningful a lot to me because that said, 
I care for your future. Don't give up just because of this step back. And that was helpful to me because that motivated me to come back. Keep on going to reaching my GED. What would you say to people again? We know we ask Stan the same question. What would you say to your friends, family, you know, people that are listening to this who may be interested in following in your footsteps, want to do some further education, and in particular, obviously, your experience with ESCOM? I would say age and disability shouldn't matter for a new beginning for the better future. Just aim at it. And you got the greatest support at EastCon. Just come. Take a step of faith and just walk in. Well, Rachel, it's been great talking to you as well. Continued success with your further education. And in the meantime, thanks for telling us about your experience so far. Thank you. EastCon, of course, as I said, has been around for a long time. It does many, many things. I mean, we see the buses, we see like the cars and, and the logo all over the place. You really are an organization that's probably one of the best to carry out all of this because you've got so many different things that you do. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, Quinnebog College as well sort of thing. So apart from the adult education, I suppose one could say the best wraparound service in the area. But I do think part of it is through partnerships, too. I do love the fact that at EastCon, we serve people from birth to, like I said, age 100. And it's wonderful that I can turn to my colleagues and we can provide great family literacy skills programming. So that's one of our programs through our ESL wing is we do bring in parents and children and we work with them on parenting skills while we're working on their English language skills. And the kids are getting high quality educational support at the same time. So that is an amazing piece. Another amazing piece is that we are connected so deeply with the American Job Centers. And so when people come in and they want to participate in our program, but they don't have transportation, we can make those connections. We can scan the environment for what kind of program might be the right one to connect them to, to get them enrolled in and engaged with so that they can overcome those barriers and those won't stop them from achieving their goals. So yes, but we also have great partnerships outside of our agency too. With the community college system, some of our our learners can co-enroll and take classes for free so that they can start to see themselves in that college environment while they're still adult education students. And they have us there to help them navigate that system, to learn some of the, the structures and practices that will help them succeed there. So we have great partnerships there as well. One thing people will be interested in knowing who are listening to this, and apart from, as I say, all these amazing services is, what's the cost? of course, because, you know, not everyone can afford this. So just to like run us through, is is most of this free or is there like money available? Just give us a sense of that. That is part of the secret sauce here in adult education. It is absolutely free. I just love the fact that we can offer such high quality programming to our community without asking a cent. There are other barriers. Time, you know, it does take investment. And in order for you to succeed, you do have to be able to put the time in. So that is real. They do, you know, it's transportation is we mentioned sometimes technology is a barrier, but we have resources for that. We have a technology loan program where people who are in our classes can access Chromebooks that they can take home. And we have, have those classes as well. Childcare, again, we use partnerships to try and mitigate that barrier. But we are working hard with all of our partners to try and address those needs at the systems level, as well as doing things, as I mentioned, for the individuals in the program. We also offer a lot of flexibility and online programs so that people who can't come into the building every day still have a way to stay connected. They're still able to come in and access face-to-face educational opportunities because that is critical. That's a big part of the program and what will help people succeed. But they can also continue to work on it with instructors reaching out to them either individually or through Zoom or things like that. And if we can't do something, we, we do refer learners to an organization that can. We also finally help them build their own networks within the classroom and within the program so that they can help each other. 
that's a lifelong skill that will really make a difference for them. You're clearly passionate about what you do. What sort of feedback do you get from some of the people that, uh, you know, you change their lives? I love hearing our learner stories. And, you know, we try to to capture those and share them as much as we can. I remember a few years ago, I was talking to one of our learners who was a formerly incarcerated man. And he, he was saying how getting his GED was the best thing that's ever happened to him in his life, other than the birth of his child. You know, and I thought the fact that getting your GED, you know, is right up there with getting your child, it says a lot. And we have people who have come back. Back and now work for us and are able to, you know, either teach in the classroom because they've gone on to become teachers or, you know, they're some of our case managers or our front office staff. And that really speaks, to, again, I think, to the power of this and people who come through really feeling the value and wanting to be able to share it with others. Well, we, as I say, are fortunate that EastCon has been around and uh, hopefully will continue to be around for a very long time, helping to educate, you know, as you say, from, from birth all the way through life and Kristen Hempel. EastCon's Director of Adult and Community Programs. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And if you want to find out more about the services and resources available to you at EastCon for adult education, then you can either email for information to aded at eastcon.org or visit their Adult and Community Programs website at eastcon, E-A-S-T-C-O-N-N dot org slash get started today. Then you know why Smokey tells you when he sees you passing through. Remember, please be careful, it's the least that you can do. After 80 years of learning his wildfire prevention tips, Smokey Bear lives within us all. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com and remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Connecticut East this week is made possible by EastCon. Know someone who wants to learn English? Enroll today in one of EastCon's free English language learner programs offered virtually and in person. Learn English to get a better job, to access training or college, to help your children with school or to prepare for U.S. citizenship. Succeed from registration to graduation with flexible classes that suit your busy lifestyle. Visit eastcon.org slash get started today and take your first step towards a brighter future. EastCon, you've got this. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. Governor Lamont announced recently that President Joe Biden has authorised an emergency declaration enabling personnel and equipment from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, to assist state and local emergency response teams with the possibility of additional flooding in New London County, resulting from the January 10th severe storm, including a potential breach of the privately owned Fitchville Pond Dam in Bosra. The declaration means that federal personnel and equipment can can mobilise and assist in actions that will protect lives and property and lessen the threat of a catastrophe should it be determined that such immediate action is needed. The declaration applies to all of New London County, including the Mohegan Tribal Nation and the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation. State and local teams have been on the ground monitoring the Fitchville Pond Dam since officials discovered that it was leaking following recent heavy storms and several contractors were brought in to take actions to prevent the situation from worsening, including through the building of a coffer dam to serve as a backup and prevent potential future damage. Connecticut has what one group sees as an overwhelming population of disconnected young people from ages 18 to 26 who aren't in school and aren't working. 
Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service has this report. The Dalio Education Report notes in 2022, more than 119,000 young people in the state either dropped out of school or were considering it, and that many in this population are either unemployed or unemployable. Chris Liddy with Dalio Education says multiple factors contribute to the trend. Some young people are providing childcare for their own siblings. Some young people have to go to work, so they're dropping out of school or they're engaging in the informal economy. Others have transportation issues or health issues. Recommendations include improving data collection so schools can see the problems as they happen, strengthening the organizations that help young people, and greater investment to get them connected to jobs and other opportunities. Liddy hopes the report can be a springboard for results either through legislation or community action. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. In the Connecticut Inside Investigator this week, the Lamont administration announced the formation of the Connecticut Council on Homelessness, which will include leaders from a wide range of government departments to focus on improving the state's current programs, meeting housing demands, and improve the effectiveness of the state's response to homelessness. The move comes weeks after a bipartisan group of lawmakers joined nonprofits that focus on homelessness to raise the alarm over the increasing number of people living outside with no shelter and the lack of of available shelter beds as Connecticut entered its coldest winter months. Nonprofit leaders called for an additional $20 million in funding, while legislators lamented that every year they have to bring attention to this same issue at the onset of winter. Connecticut's homeless population has increased over the last two years, and many shelters say they need more funding and space to keep people and families from freezing outside. The council will include leaders from 12 agencies, ranging from the Department of Housing to the Department of Labor and the Department of Correct. Additionally, leaders from eight other departments ranging from higher education to economic and community development will serve as ad hoc members. The idea is for the different agencies to join together to come up with a more collaborative, robust and statewide response in order to more effectively meet the needs of those without homes and to find ways to strengthen housing stability while increasing housing across the state. It's a big election year this year and as beneficial as it is to keep up with current events, too much political news can be detrimental to a person's health. Here's Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service again. Numerous studies are finding increased social divisiveness has contributed to growing stress levels among Americans. An American Psychological Association survey finds concern about the nation's future and social divisiveness are high-ranking stressors. Dr. Jennifer Doran with the Connecticut Psychological Association says there are ways to remain informed while keeping your mental health in check. I think limiting is really important because obviously it doesn't feel good to be totally disengaged and uninformed, but, you know, too much exposure, especially if we know it's having a negative impact, right, on mood and mental health is not going to be good. She notes taking some time off from using social media can also help, and it's also a good idea to not watch any political news before bedtime. The challenge of keeping to this is also the problem. While you might use social media to check in with friends and family, articles about politics and current events could be all around, waiting to draw your attention. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. The state and treasurer Eric Russell announced recently that 7,810 children across Connecticut have been born automatically eligible for the landmark Connecticut Baby Bonds program since it launched on July 1, 2023. Connecticut is the first state in the nation to fund and implement a baby bonds program aimed at building a brighter future for children born into poverty. Children whose birth is covered by Husky, the state's Medicaid program, are automatically enrolled in the program and are having $3,200 invested on 
their behalf. Those investments, which are managed by the Office of the Treasurer, will grow over time and can be used when the participant is aged between 18 and 30 for specific purposes intended to help build individual wealth. Those include purchasing a home in Connecticut, starting or investing in a Connecticut business, paying for educational job training and saving for retirement. It's estimated that about 15,000 babies will be eligible for Connecticut baby bonds annually and parents of eligible newborns do not need to take any action to enroll or apply. In 2021, Connecticut became the first state to pass baby bonds legislation and funding was secured under a plan that lowered the overall cost of the program by more than $200 million than initially anticipated. Connecticut's baby bond funding solution was named Innovative Financing Deal of the Year for 2023 by the Bond Buyer, a publication serving the municipal finance community. For more information about Connecticut baby bonds or to sign up for periodic email updates about the program, visit babybonds.ct.gov. And Downtown Stores has seen a flurry of new businesses open there recently with two new restaurants and a vintage comic books and video game store. Cynthia Van Zelm, Executive Director of Mansfield Downtown Partnership, says she is excited to welcome the new businesses to the area and that all the owners live and work locally and have strong ties to the community. The addition of the three new businesses means there are now 73 businesses and organizations operating in downtown stores next to the Yukon Stores campus. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East This Week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East This Week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening. <laughs>